And uh, so Blaine is going to be uh, sharing today and sharing a little bit of his own personal testimony. Uh, and so that's exciting as well. Uh, if you're new to the church or if you've missed the last few Sundays, I just want to give a little bit of a recap of where we're at and what's going on. Uh, for the last about year and a half, God has just been leading our church in a specific direction. We could actually go back even farther, uh, at least three years out. But in the last year and a half, uh, the Lord led us to do a series on the church uh, to restore our love and kindle a passion for uh, his bride, for his flock, for his body uh, for his vineyard and uh, and so as we did a 14 week church series uh, it was just it was really good for a lot of us here in the body uh, we then went on to 36 weeks in the book of first Corinthians and as we were going just verse by verse through first Corinthians we had many of these uh, church doctrines affirmed and, and ecclesiology affirmed in the book of first Corinthians. It was really exciting and really neat to see. And so before we moved on from first Corinthians, we really felt like the Lord would have us just review those series, the first Corinthians and the his church series uh, in a series called this church. And so if you've missed any of that, you know, the his church series or the this church series, uh, I'd encourage you to get online, put that on your iPod or your iPhone. Uh, phone, download the podcast, just listen while you're working in the garage, while you're working out, driving those long drives, uh, and just kind of, you'll be able to get a, a robust feel of, of where the Lord has been leading us uh, through the scriptures and by his spirit uh, over at least the last uh, year and a half. Um, and so over a year and a half, it's just, it's like the Lord has just been like funneling us and funneling us and funneling us towards uh, about four weeks ago when he had us uh, roll out our vision statement as a church, which is really our purpose statement. It's our justification of being here as a church, uh, as a local body. And so our vision statement, we unrolled it to you guys and we painted it on the back wall. And our vision is that we exist to make disciples of this city and of all nations who are sent out to proclaim and embody the gospel of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. That's the vision of our church. That's the purpose of our church. That is why we exist. Uh, and then the following week, we rolled out our mission statement, which is essentially how do we see in the scripture such a vision carried out. And uh, we took one Sunday and we went through the whole book of Acts. I should say we scanned the book of Acts. And, uh, and so I'd encourage you to listen to Vision Sunday, uh, uh, Mission Sunday, which led to uh, even more of a how do we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to accomplish these things. And then that led us to what we call Covenant Sunday. And uh, Covenant Sunday is basically where we rolled out to you guys a direction we feel that the scriptures have been leading us, uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit has been leading us through much prayer, fasting, much discussion, hours and hours and hours of discussion and wrestling through positions, but coming back to the scripture, coming back to uh, what we believe the Lord is leading us in, and, uh, and that is a, a covenant membership which is different than I think most people have ever had any experience with membership before. Uh, most of us, if you've been in the church very long, you've probably had some experience with membership. I've even have had a bad experience with membership before, but this is a, a bit different. Uh, and, um, 
And really what it is, is it's an agreement that we have with each other. Uh, there's been a little bit of confusion that this covenant, it's something that's going to replace the covenant between me and God that was sealed by Jesus Christ on the cross, that he gives us the symbol of that covenant through communion and through the shedding of his blood and through the piercing of his body. And we just want you to know that we're not in any way through this uh, trying to sever that covenant or replace that covenant. You guys, that is the covenant between God and man. It's through the man, Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between God and man. Uh, but what this is, is it's something else that we see in scripture. It's just an agreement that we have with each other that we are in here, that we buy into the vision that God has given this church, that, that we are into making disciples of all nations who are sent out to preach and to proclaim the gospel and embody the gospel for the glory of God. It's essentially our church is in a time right now that's kind of a DTR, kind of a define the relationship, you know, uh, and, it, and it brings some definition to, uh, to who we are as a church. Uh, over these series that we've done, we've seen about uh, you know, off the top of my head, I'm thinking about seven different key things that we see the church is to be uh, in this in this world, and uh, and we see how as God has led these things in the scriptures for us, everything about our flesh and about our culture wars against that, and so something that we see that is just a tool in helping bring definition and and help and accountability. Uh, between us, and, and mind you, this isn't you to the elders or the elders to you so much as it is us all to each other, agreeing to be in this battle together. Uh, so what we have, if you weren't here for Covenant Sunday, which was, I think, three weeks ago, uh, I'd encourage you to get online and listen to that study and to listen prayerfully. You might even fast a little bit before you listen to it. If you've heard it before, you might even listen to it again. And, uh, and as you would listen to that teaching humbly and prayerfully, uh, you can also get online and get a sample covenant membership draft. It's just a sample. We're still working through it. But this just gives you somewhat of an idea of what a covenant membership even remotely looks like. Pray through that. Look at the scriptures. Uh, and, and then what we have going on is Wednesday nights during this season. It's a place that's an open, safe question and answer forum time, have a little teaching, a little more about where we're at, and then to just open it up for um, questions that you guys might have. And we want you to know that, that we are very sympathetic to where you guys are at. If, if some of you, you know, where, where this is a new thing or this has been just, you know, a change, a shift in our culture as a church, we understand. In fact, it's been a long time of discussion among the elders, and so we can't expect anything less in working through it with all of you. And so as you're patient with us, we're patient with you. We love you. This is all born out of love. Uh, this is all born out of the Spirit, born out of prayer, born out of the Word of God. And so just be patient with us. We're patient with you. We're just working through this together. Uh, we're excited because we believe that the Lord is doing some really great things, even as we're wrestling through it with each other. So, uh, And so what we have right now, Wednesday nights, please come out. If you call this your church, come out, be part of the discussion, be part of the hearing, all right? Be part of that. Um, and uh, that's Wednesdays. Sundays right now, we're going through our statement of faith as a church. And this also is kind of in those same lines of giving clear definition of what we believe as a church. If you come here, this is what we stand on. This is what 
Some of these things are what all the church should stand on. Some of these things we'll lay out are just theological distinctives that if you come to this church, it's what you're going to hear taught. If you go to a different church, it's an open-handed issue. They might teach it differently there. Um, but, but it just lines out what we teach and what we believe here. And if you haven't been watching the news, time is coming where these lines are being drawn in the sand. And many of us may give our lives for what we stand upon and what we believe. So we want to make it crystal clear uh, what that is. Um, and so uh, this is week two of our statement of faith. Next week, Aaron will share. Don't miss that, these times, you guys. These men are also going to be sharing a little bit of their testimonies, a little bit of their struggling through uh, you know, memberships in the past and things like that. And, uh, and then uh, following Aaron's teaching next week, the next Sunday, will be a, a basic rolling out of our final covenant draft, uh, teaching it to you all, and, uh, and then going from there. You can look towards um, January as being a time when we get back into just working through the scriptures and, and preaching through the text on a regular basis. Uh, also core groups, we plan on them starting up at the first of the year, and 242 groups as well. So I want to give you guys a little bit of Okay, you know, what's, what's going on? How long is all this? Uh, this is basically also one other thing. Um, you know, we're not going to be handing any type of covenant to you and, and demanding a signature and get out or anything like that. This is just presenting it, praying through it, patience, time, uh, and all of that. So uh, anyways, giving you a little update, a little bit of rolling out for Blaine to be able to come and share uh, as well. So Blaine, come on up and why don't you come and I'll pray for you. We gave you the shorter pulpit today. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Makes me look tall. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Just kidding, it doesn't. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, as we have taught through these series, um, this is your church, God. You are the chief shepherd, and you will build your church, Lord. This is your bride. You love Calvary Chapel of Crook County, Lord. Revelation tells us that you walk in the midst of the lampstands, Lord, you, we believe that you are here even this morning, God. And so, Lord, we just move forward. Uh, Lord, those that are 100% behind a covenant membership, those that are wrestling through it, those that are just, they're just not sure, or they're just, right now, it's a no for them. And, and so, Lord, we just come before you. This is your church. We come in humility. We pray you would just teach us, Lord. Uh, we, just, we just trust you, God. Um, Lord, as Acts chapter 20 says, you have appointed the elders as overseers, God. And so uh, by the Holy Spirit, you've done that appointing. And so, God, as we just kind of hear each other out, Lord, we just trust you, God. This is your church. We are your under shepherds, Lord. These are, this is your flock. And so uh, even as we learn together and grow together and reason together, uh, Lord, we just um, pray you'd clothe us in humility. You would give us the spirit and an extra portion that we would bear with one another. Uh, and Lord, that we would just above all things trust you, God. Just afresh today, we just confess we trust you. And we know that you are aware of all the happenings here. And Lord, we um, are excited because as Tammy prayed out, you are sovereign, Lord. So have your way in us. Even today, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rory. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> um, first and foremost, as Rory's heading to the back back there, as our faith family, uh, we need to welcome into the world as of Monday a new little Rogers, Titus Hart Rogers. 
So let's give Rory and Lindsay a hand for uh, another wonderful human being brought into the world. Congratulations. Uh, as Rory laid out, you guys, um, the vision and the mission, um, the covenant membership um, beginnings of this church. We started last weekend getting into uh, the statement of faith. Chad had an opportunity to go through what is our core beliefs or what are the basic beliefs. And I want to just kind of read through this a little bit, this, this beginning portion of how we define and clarify who we are as a church. Um, we've, we've poured into this and we've We've spent time into this, and it's worded real well. So if you see me kind of reading versus just talking to you guys at the very beginning, it's because this is worded extremely well. You guys will get copies of this, uh, so don't try to um, remember it all or have to take, feel like you have to take notes or that kind of stuff, because this will all be in there. Uh, to begin, this statement of faith, like Rory had mentioned, answers the four questions that we need to ask ourselves as to why do we exist? Who are we? How do we live? And what do we believe? As Rory was saying, we, the importance of this starts getting narrowed down, not only for the here and now of, of all of us struggling through this and, and us drawing lines in the sand and drawing boundaries between us and the world and some of that kind of stuff, but as you look towards the future and we look towards what's happening in persecution um, starting in this country already, what's going on in persecution around the world, the boundaries between who we are and what we believe are going to become more and more important. And as you look, and as I was involved in churches in the past, that when I was growing up, certain denominations were clear and were doctrinally correct, were theologically sound, without a solid stance in what we believe and who we are, what happens is the world begins to creep in. All of a sudden you have a church that, you know, 40 years ago were solid, foundationally solid, following the scriptures, following biblical truths, now you end up with those same denominations um, approving of things and promoting things that don't stand true to the Bible. So this is a, this is a big deal. This is, this is bigger than, than just the here and now. Um, so let me start getting through the statement of faith where we can... Uh, kind of understand where we're coming from and, and what we believe. The statement of faith, it kind of reads like this, you guys. It says, God exists and has revealed himself to mankind. He has rescued and redeemed a people for himself through his son, Jesus Christ. This good news is to be preached to all nations for God's glory and our joy. From its inception, the church has always found it helpful to summarize its core convictions in rather short and succinct statements such as hymns, creeds, and confessions to impart truth, clarify and prevent confusion, 
protect from false teaching, and otherwise hold fast to the historic landmarks of our heritage. The Christian confession is merely a response to God's revelation. Thus, the confessions of a church and its individual members should correspond to the boundaries and contours of biblical truth that God has revealed to us. All Christians everywhere say they believe the Bible, but creeds, confessions, and statements help us to clarify what it is that we do believe about the Bible. That's kind of what we're looking at here in the statement of faith. Um, Here at Calvary Chapel, here in this church, We have three distinct but complementary statements summarizing our beliefs in various degrees of understanding. Okay, the the first section that Chad covered here this last week was what is our core beliefs? That statement represents the most simple and foundational beliefs of Christian orthodoxy from a biblical and historical perspective. It It captures the basic contours of Christian theology, And in essence, you guys, what Chad went through last week are the foundational truths that we will die on. These are the truths that we believe as Christians. These are the truths that we believe as as followers of Christ. These are the truths that have to be in place in our belief system in order to even be a Christian. And in essence, what Chad went through last week is those foundational um, general truths This is what it's going to take to be um, a member here of this church. Then you've got next, you've got a section on theological distinctives. And that's what I'm going to go through with you guys today. Some of these theological distinctives, in essence, are where do we land as a church on those areas of Scripture that are debatable? There's a number of those that that, um, solid... Bible teaching, believing churches will land on different areas or aspects of. It's important for us as a church to go through some of those truths to see, to be apparent for those that are here, those that will be coming here in the future, what's going to be preached from the pulpit, what's going to be taught to our kids, what are we going to counsel in. We need to make sure that that's apparent and down so everybody knows, so the world knows where we stand on on some of these things. What the statement of faith says about the statement of theological distinctives is it says the statement captures our convictions on areas that are debated even among Bible-believing, gospel-centered churches. Though agreement with this statement isn't necessary for membership, we will preach, teach, and counsel on the basis of these distinctives. So this is, in essence, things that does not block us or guard us from being members in this church. These are open-handed issues, not closed-handed issues that we need to believe in order to be a Christian and thus a member of the church. So that's what I'm going to go through today a little bit is some of these theological distinctives. Um, To recap on what beliefs we need to have to be a Christian and thus a member here. Let's just kind of go through these 10 truths real fast that Chad went through last week. Number one, the scriptures are true, authoritative, and sufficient. Number two, there is only one true God, creator of heaven and earth, who eternally exists in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Number three, all things exist for the glory of God. Number four, all humanity Christ excluded is sinful by both birth and action. Where are we at? Number five, the deserved penalty for sin is physical and spiritual death. Number six, Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, was born of a virgin, and is both fully God and fully human. Number six, Jesus Christ died as the sacrificial substitute to pay the penalty for sin. Number seven, Jesus Christ physically rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and will one day physically return. Where are we at? This must be number nine. I don't know if I skipped number eight or not. <clears throat> there will be a future physical resurrection of the dead. Only those who turn from sin and to Jesus in faith and repentance will be raised to eternal reward. Those who do not turn from sin and to Jesus will be raised to eternal punishment. And lastly, only through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ and repentance from sin can one be reconciled to God and experience true life. So those are just the basic general truths that we who call ourselves Christians um, believe in and need to believe in as we continue to follow Christ this side of heaven. So let's get into a little bit of this statement of theological distinctives. That sounds like a big word, but it's really not that complicated. There's, there's five aspects to this, and, and let me just kind of read through again what is written down that you guys will be handed as we make this available. The description of the theological distinctives is this. It says, while the doctrines expressed in the statement of basic or what we call core beliefs are recognized to be universal and primary within the church. There are a number of secondary beliefs that we are passionate to proclaim. Not all Christians hold these beliefs, but they are nonetheless important and true as we understand the scriptures. And, and that's important. You know, as, as far as we have understood and done the research and along with you here in our faith family have uncovered and discovered, this is where we land on those particular issues. Complete agreement is not required for the sake of membership, but it should be known that we will preach, teach, and counsel in accordance with these convictions. So these five areas that we'll be going through, that I'll be going through with you with the first half of the time that I've got here with you this morning, is where do we land on divine sovereignty? Where do we land on the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Where do we land on the complementary roles of men and women? Where do we land on believer's baptism, where we land in a believer's baptism by immersion, and the relationship of God's glory to man's joy. So let's break this down a little bit. The first section is divine sovereignty. What your statement of faith will read is, is this. God is sovereign over all things such that there is no aspect of reality outside his ultimate control. Though God's rule extends to all things, it is particularly his sovereignty over the work of salvation that is a theological distinctive. We believe that it is exceedingly good and glorious news that salvation is not dependent on the desires and deeds of man but is grounded instead in God's eternal decree of election. 
Though man is responsible for his sin, God is ultimately and entirely responsible for drawing those he would save unto himself and overcoming their natural resistance to the gospel. So it's that area of sovereignty that uh, can be a debatable issue amongst Bible-believing churches. This is where we land. This is what has been taught over the years. This is what will be continued to be taught from the pulpit, in the back, in children's ministry, in youth ministries, any counseling and some of that kind of stuff. As we read this last sentence, and I want to kind of jump into this, the last sentence was this. Though man is responsible for his sin, God is ultimately and entirely responsible for drawing those he would save unto himself and overcoming their natural resistance to the gospel. In, in answer to that, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and kind of cheat on Aaron's segment that he has to teach next Sunday, is there's a section in his, um, his area that he'll be teaching that goes over man's inheritance through the gospel. And it's just awesome, you guys. So I, I want to share this to you so you guys know where we all stand and, and, and just help us, uh, or, or help us get a grasp as to uh, the unity of our convictions. This section says this. It says, salvation, the free gift of God, is provided by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Anyone repenting of sin by the miracle of regeneration and looking to Christ and his substitutionary death receives the gift of eternal life and is declared righteous by God as a free gift. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to him. He is justified and fully accepted by God. Through Christ's atonement for sin, an individual is reconciled to God as father and becomes his child. The believer is forgiven the debt of his sin and liberated from the law of sin and death unto the freedom of God's spirit. I thought that was really cool. And, and just to kind of... Uh, make sure that on each segment of this divine sovereignty, I at least give you guys a, a, a couple of Bible verses to back us up. As far as divine sovereignty, Psalm 115 verse 3 says, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Romans chapter 8 Verse 29 and 30 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, who he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this. I guess I should make sure everybody has a Bible. Do you guys all have a Bible out there? Is everybody okay with that? If not, holler. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Um, the ending of verse 8 says, God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That goes through the first item of the theological distinctives. That's divine sovereignty. Let's get into number two. 
Number two is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, where do we land on that? If, and I know a lot of you guys probably have Christian friends outside of our particular circle of family here. That becomes um, a little bit of a discussion issue. You know, where do the other churches land? Where do your friends land in Christ? Where do we land as a body in this? The statement of faith reads this way. It says, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we see exercised in the scriptures have not ceased with the death of the last apostle or the closing of the New Testament canon. They are available today and are to be eagerly desired and practiced in submission to the Spirit speaking through the scriptures. Again, cheating on Aaron a little bit. Hopefully he's aware of, of this. Um, the section in his that... that that goes over the empowered by the spirit. It's a section called empowered by the spirit reads this. You guys, it says the Holy spirit empowers believers for Christian witness and service. The promise of the father is freely available to all who believe in Jesus Christ, enabling them to exercise the gifts he sovereignly bestows for ministry and mission. The Holy spirit desires to continually fill each believer with power to bear witness to the gospel and imparts his gifts for the edification of the body and the work of ministry in the world. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the first century church are available today and are to be earnestly desired and practiced in an orderly manner. This includes those gifts that are considered miraculous as well as those which might be seen as more mundane as both are works of the Spirit. The healthy exercising of diverse gifts within a unified body is essential to the mission of the church in the world today. And as we back that up a little bit in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 says this. And Rory had just talked through, um, um, or taught through 1 Corinthians, so we've had a chance to recently go through this. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Going to verse 4, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of, or diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Let's go to number three. The third theological distinctive to go through is the complementary role of men and women. Where do we land on this? You guys know that have been attending our church here for a while where we do land on this, and this has been taught a number of times you know, from the pulpit. But as we look at this area of, of debatable subjects for clarification, and so people know not only in the church but outside of the church that are coming into this church, this is what they're going to hear from the pulpit. This is what they're going to hear in the Sunday school classes. This is what's going to be... Um, one of the bases for our counseling as we deal with men and women struggling through life like we all do. It reads this way. 
It says men and women are absolutely equal in essence, dignity, and value, but are different by divine design. As part of God's good created order, men and women are to have different yet complementary roles and responsibilities in the home and church, especially as it comes to teaching and authority. These role distinctions are God's grace to man and women and are to be protected, preserved, and practiced for his glory and our joy. Now in Ephesians chapter 5, in your copy of the statement of faith that will be handed out once this all gets put together, you will see a number of scriptural um, references to each and every section that goes through here so we can all do our own research and do our own studies. But because of the sake of time, um, I'm going to read the one from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, let, sorry, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Number four of the theological distinctives. Believers' baptism by immersion. I'll read what we have down in the statement of faith again. It says, Baptism is intended only for those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ and can give sufficient testimony to the basics of Christian beliefs. We also baptize by immersion because it is the original meaning of the word and best symbolizes the reality to which baptism points, our death and resurrection in Christ. Probably the best section of scripture in that Um, is getting back to chapter 6 of Romans, and I won't go through that whole reading this morning. That does a really good job of putting the comparison together in Paul's perspective as to why the immersion baptism, why the view of death to resurrection and raising as new man. In essence, it's an outward sign of an inward change. You know, you guys have heard that a lot. In Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, we look at the importance of baptism as it says, go forth, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. Right? We, we see the importance of baptism. We see in Acts chapter 2, as Peter was just finishing his uh, his message at Pentecost, 
Acts chapter 2 at the end of verse 37. The people in the crowd said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter had answered and said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to our children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Lastly, let's get into the relationship of God's glory to man's joy. Okay, this is the fifth area of our theological distinctives. How it's read in here is it says this. We believe that man's greatest joy is found only in faithful obedience to God and that our enjoyment of him is one of the chief means by which he is glorified. You've heard us here teach that, you know, what is the purpose of man, right? You hear that over and over again. What is the purpose of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. If we get into backing that up scripturally, my first and favorite probably verse is if I get into John chapter 15. Verse 10 and 11 says this, and Christ is speaking here. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. If you take apart and you do the research of those two verses together, what you see is that obedience to Christ's calling on our lives Obedience as the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us, producing that evidence of obedience in a life that's set aside to Christ, produces joy. And he says that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full, be made full. In Matthew chapter 25, it puts it together too. And we get an opportunity to quote this quite often. Verse 21 and 23 says the same thing. It says this uh, in the story of the talents. It says, the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's where we stand that's, that's the areas that are debatable. That's the areas that may be open-handed issues that doesn't have anything to do with us as a cohesive body as far as um, uh, uh, not falling in line with one of these things um, and not being able to participate in membership of this church. These are open-handed issues that we can agree to disagree. And in the love and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God, that's what we do in unity. Now, I've got a few minutes left, and one thing I wanted to kind of share with you guys as we get away from some of, of, some of the uh, polity of our church. As I took a look at this, and as we go through what we are as a church, struggling as, as individuals maybe, um, uh, looking at something new, something that's maybe out of our comfort zone 
in this. You guys, I had to take a look at my life. And, and I want to bear this before you guys as my family here. I was born again and baptized in the Spirit in this church. Seven and a half, almost eight years ago. Grew up in the church. Understood who Jesus Christ was. Understood the work and person of Jesus Christ. Understood him as Savior. Not as Lord. The hardest thing I had to do in the beginning of, of, of my coming to Christ and and the blessings that came with my understanding of submission to him and of trust in him, in his goodness, in his compassion, in his care, was driving home from church uh, spring of 07 and having a conversation in my mind, okay, in my thoughts with God as he's saying, why have you never surrendered to me? And my wife and kids are in the car, you know, and I'm, having, I'm just quiet and I'm thinking. I'm going, Lord, I, I must have. I'm 46 years old. I've known you since I was six. 40 years I've known you, Lord. And he goes, but you haven't. I said, I must have. And I'm searching through my mind trying to make sense of this, like I'm arguing against God, right? And I'm going, Lord, you know, I... I had to have, over all this time, I had to have. And he's going, no, Blaine, you haven't. Now, the very hardest, hardest thing I ever had to do in my life to that point <clears throat> was getting home, hitting my knees in a dark, closed room after church and saying, Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. All I know is I need you, and whatever it costs and whatever it is, I will trust you with every part of me. So hard to be brought out of my comfort zone, to let go of everything I held true up until that point in time, 46 years old, let go of my relationships, my wife, my children, let go of my marriage and its success or failure, let go of any business dealings or finances, to let go of any physical maladies or health, to let go even of life and death at that point and say, Lord, I don't care if you need my life and you, you demand my life of me this day, I've got to have you. Now, what that was, you guys, is it was a stretching of me getting out of my comfort zone and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ with everything I was. It's hard. Hard. The steps didn't get any easier, okay, in, in walking with Christ. Um, a couple of little things. Okay, as I started learning and understanding that in the blessings of that submission, uh, Christ had given me victory over sin and understanding and illumination of, of God's word. I started understanding that. Boldness in speaking forth who Jesus Christ is and was to me. You know, you guys, a lot of you guys have been there, okay? You know what it's like when the old man dies and the new man takes over and it's a trip, okay? Um, exciting. Exciting. 
Um, I was confronted as, we, as I went down this, this road, confronted with the fact that I had no ability to pray in public. Zero. Okay, little thing maybe, okay. Um, once that was made apparent to me, and it was kind of a funny story, and I'll tell you guys individually afterwards, but for the sake of time, I'll try to skip through this. Um, understanding that and praying, saying, Lord, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how. I, I want that ability to pray with others and for others. Corporately, I need that. Completely out of my comfort zone, completely having to trust God to step me out of that. And in a Wednesday night uh, a church that we had, oh gosh, in the early years of my coming to Christ, we're sitting in a group like this and we're praying for each other and um, the guy from the pulpit had looked down and said, Blaine, would you mind praying for that guy over there? I went, you got to be kidding me, Lord. And I'm praying you know, to myself going, Lord, look, this has got to be of you. I trust you. When I open my mouth, you've got to take over because I don't got it. I don't have it. And I opened my mouth and started praying, and the Lord took it over. Took it over. Started speaking. And, and it was just another step in trusting him. Okay, these are the baby steps that God took me in my walk with Christ, understanding his, his sovereignty understanding his sovereignty in my circumstances, in my situations, and understanding Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that says, I am Christ's workmanship, uh, um, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Do I trust that he's enabled me and equipped me to walk through the works that he's already laid out before me? Okay? Um, gifting, as we move along in my walk with Christ, gifting, had no clue what my gifts were, you guys. I didn't have a, I, I didn't know. So I'm praying, Lord, show me. Um, I was in, at that point in time, I was, I, was, I was in and involved in an early morning men's Bible study. And at that point in time, we had it at the Oasis, which was a homeless shelter that we had in town that was part of our ministry for the, the, you guys that are new here. Um, and in a, a teaching circumstance, I opened my mouth and God just started teaching through me. One of those supernatural things that I had no clue what I was doing and it scared me to death. Again, it's a trust thing. Did I trust what Jesus Christ was doing in me? Did I trust to be able to step out of my comfort zone as if you're standing on a cliff, as if you're over here, you guys, and you go to step off and you step on an invisible platform? Do I trust that he's there? And I remember even sitting in a, maybe it was during a week of fasting in years past, Rory had just gotten here and we were talking about some of this and I remember this clear as day is he kind of asked around and there was probably a half a dozen of us guys that morning, it was early in the morning, do you know what your giftings are? And he got to me and I said, yeah, I know what they are and I'm scared to death to even get close to using them. And it was just one of those growth things, you guys. As I developed um, a, a sensitivity and a, a, um, a submission and a trust to Christ working in and through me, one thing that there was, the next thing that God had to get me to to understand his sovereignty again in all things is that 
my submission and my willingness to hear Christ in others speaking to me was non-existent. It was Christ and me, and that's it. I heard from Christ through me, but I would not allow others to speak into my life. Didn't know that, and because I didn't allow others to speak into my life, you guys, there was areas in my life that um, I, I could not see. I could not see where I was going wrong. I could not see where I had gotten off the path. Um, it produced some marriage issues. Okay, Linda and I have been married a long time. We've been married 34 years. So say 30 years into it, as I'm, I, I think I'm walking down that past path following Jesus Christ and doing what I need to do because I would not allow others who had the same singular person and work of the Holy Spirit of God in them as was in me, I was missing out and I'm getting off track. And I remember my wife coming to me saying, Blaine, I, I don't know who you are anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And it breaks your heart. You go, why? Why don't I realize where I'm at? Why don't I understand? You know, God, you've got to show me. And by his grace, by his spirit, took me to some verses and introduced me to the understanding of what submission is, that I need to be submissive to others. And others included the submissive relationship to my wife. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about role differences or anything like that, or authority differences. I'm talking about me being understanding to listen to her by and through the Holy Spirit of God speaking into my life. It was a big, big thing. Um, as God blessed me in understanding how important that relationship to me was, I go back to uh, Ephesians 5.25 where he says, Husbands, love your wives as Jesus Christ loved his church, his bride, right? And gave himself for her sacrificially and unconditionally. I had to learn. I had to learn how to Again, step out of my comfort zone, step out into the areas of growth that Christ wanted me to be at, to listen, to submit, and trust that he will work and will work for my good and the good of others around me. My personal ministries. At that point in time, I was leading an early morning Bible study. Uh, it was a, a multi-denominational Bible study early in the morning over at the Oasis with a number of of guys, I mean, we'd get upwards of 22, sometimes down to five or six, but you know, uh, I was involved in that for almost five years. And as the Lord is revealing to me to let go of my own agenda, let go of my own identity, starting to realize that maybe my, my ministry that I was doing at that point had become my ministry and not God's ministry. I had to hit my knees again like I have to do on a daily basis and say, Lord, I need help here. I want nothing of me and I want everything of you. I want to be stripped completely from top to bottom of everything that has to do with Blaine. 
And this ministry that's been such a perfect, um, um, I thought anyway, such a perfect uh, reflection of my work in Christ. Lord, I give this to you. And I ask you to have your way with it. Part of the realization in getting into that prayer was just the fact that I was hearing from some of the leaders here at this church saying, Blaine, why aren't you participating in some of the local functions that's going on? Why do you have to always be just you? Why do you have to be the Lone Ranger kind of a guy? And, and I was starting to, you know, I'm thick-headed, okay, I'm a slow learner. I started to kind of hear and understand and pray about this and take this to the foot of the cross saying, Lord, have your way. Some of the things that started coming um, at that point in time, and this is about two years ago, a little over two years ago. I said, Lord, look, if you take it away, make it clear and apparent so I can understand. And it started dwindling down to nobody. At that point in time, um, I, I just saw it was from the Lord at that point. I went to Rory. I, I called him. I sat down in his office and said, look, Rory, I don't know what's going on here, but I need to let you know that that's no longer part of my life. The Lord's moving me on. I don't know what the scoop is, but I'm yours and I'm the bodies. And whatever happens, um, I'm at your disposal. I trust you. I trust the local body with my life to speak into it. Lead me. Um, two weeks or three weeks after that, I had a neat young lady, member of this church, that it came up to Linda and I as we were standing in line coming up for communion and says, Lord has told me I need to speak this verse to you. I don't know why, but I need you to listen to this. And she opened up her Bible to Isaiah 54, and it was verse 2 and 3, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And I didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't get it. I'd never been approached like that before. And we went home that afternoon and my wife comes up to me and says, what was that all about? We're praying about it, and I could just see the Lord's hand in that saying, Blaine, let go. Trust me. I'm going to take your life, and I'm going to use it for my glory and your good. Had an opportunity to teach here from the pulpit about a month and a half later on those two verses. Uh, it was during the Boise leadership thing, and the, the elders and a lot of the Individual members here were gone, and I had a, an opportunity to teach that, and I spoke that over the church. And I just, I, I taught them in this way. I was like, you know what? We need to be ready and able by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God to step out of our comfort zones, to trust Jesus Christ in your lives, and you as a church, I'm remembering what was said, you as a church, God is ready to move, and he's going to move in a powerful, powerful way. And in these verses, I'm looking at the verbiage, and it says, enlarge, stretch out, don't spare, lengthen, strengthen, expand, inherit, inhabit, right? And I'm looking at all these words through those two verses. And 
and amazing things started happening in my life and amazing things started happening in this church. In all of this, I could hear Christ standing to the right hand of God the Father saying this, Blaine, do you trust me even in this? And I keep thinking, you know, Isaiah 26, 3, you know, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, we, we say that all the time, that we trust in the Lord. But do we really? The, the Nepal trip had come up. And uh, our, our mission for, for spreading the gospel and taking it to the ends of the earth, right? Um, um, the guys Rory and Kevin had just come back from Alabama called the rest of us elders. We met over at Rory's house and they're laying out in excitement and exuberance. What's going on? And I was just kind of admitting to Rory this morning, I wasn't sure. I was like, wow. But with everything that God had done in my life to that point, you guys, where he'd taken every single moment of growth has always been, get out of what you think that I'm going to do with you. Get out of your own um, um, schedule and thoughts of what it looks like to be a follower of me and trust me. And I'm thinking at that point going, okay, Lord, you've taken me through everything. I, I trust these guys. I trust where their heart is. I trust that the same Holy Spirit of God and the person and work of the singular Holy Spirit is working in them as much as he is in me. And Lord, I trust you. I trust you. You know, uh, Acts chapter four, Gamaliel was speaking to the Sanhedrin, right? The ruling 70 people in the um, uh, Jewish church. And they just got done persecuting John and Peter for preaching the gospel. And he's telling these guys in the Sanhedrin, he said, listen, leave these guys alone. For if this work is of man, it's going to fall apart anyway. But if this work is of God, don't be found fighting against God. And that resonated with me. I had to trust. Covenant membership. As we started rolling into this, you guys, uh, I know that's been told, but I want to speak from the heart. The amount of prayer, the amount of work, the amount of effort that, God, that has gone into this point, saying, Lord, if this is not of you, shut the door. Lord, if this is not of you, close it, change our directions, do whatever you've got to do. Daily, daily. And I keep thinking, you know, we have these certain verses that we hold dear and that are cliche. And, and Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, right? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So we look at that verse, and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, we get that. Lean not on your own understanding. We kind of bypass that. We want to understand every single aspect that God has before us before we jump in. God says, no, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You don't need to understand me. You need to trust me. And I think we forget of that. Paul continued to say, you know, 
our lives are not our own. We've been bought and paid for with a price. And that price is the precious, holy, shed blood of the Son of God from the cross. One of Paul's, my favorite verses, I guess, of Paul, and one of his heartfelt confessions is in Galatians 2.20, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I needed to learn that I, Blaine, need to get out of the picture as John the Baptist said, you know, I need to decrease. Christ needs to increase. As I get ready to close, worship team, if you want to come on up. <clears throat> I found this quote from Charles Spurgeon, and I want to throw this out to you guys. I like listening to him, and I, I want to try not to get married to his whole doctrine and follow and you know, him, but I like some of his teaching back from the 1800s. And he says this, he says, but the man who yearns after more holiness, the man who sighs after God, the man who groans after perfection, the man who is discontented with his sinful self, the man who feels he cannot be at rest until he is made like Christ, he is the man who is blessed indeed. And you guys, as we look at this uncomfortable for some, membership covenant thing. All we are is imperfect, sinful human beings that are trying to covenant with each other, to hold each other up, to lift each other up when we need to be carried, to lay our, ourselves down before each other, to be open, apparent, translucent, transparent with each other. Because I can't see myself and I've proven that in my life. We're being asked to trust the leadership of our almighty, sovereign God in regard to the direction of this church. Let us step out of our comfort zone and let us trust Jesus Christ as Lord. As we get ready for communion, um, and as we start the worship music up here, I, I want you guys to search yourselves. As, as David's prayer was in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's just search our hearts. Let's lay down our lives. Let's submit to his leadership, his sovereignty, his goodness, and his glory. For we need him. We are desperate for you, Lord. So as the music plays, let's come on up. Um, grab the elements. Take them back to your seat. Partake at your own time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, full of grace and truth, Lord, we are desperate for you. 
God, this church, as Rory said in the beginning of this morning, this church is yours. These are your people. These are your church. This is your ways. Lord, we trust you. We love you. We need you. I ask now that you would search us, Lord. Strip everything away from us that is opposed to you. Strip us bare and naked before your eyes that we would diminish and decrease and that you would increase. Holy Spirit of God, come and have your way. Lord, be honored, be blessed, be sovereign. In Jesus' name, amen.